Coming to you from the front lines of America's fight for freedom, it's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. What this world needs is a few more redheads. So people ain't afraid to take a stand. What this world needs is a little more respect for the Lord and the law and the working man. We could use a little peace and satisfaction. Some good people up front to take the lead. A little less talk and a little more action. And a few more rednecks is what we need. Welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of America in View, where we are trying to wake the woke and help them understand that their bad ideas are nothing more than a great American nightmare. We've got a great show for you today. Greg Folly, the chairman of the Marco Island City Council and currently a candidate for state representative down in Naples, is going to join us to talk a little bit about tax policy with us. We talked about tax policy a few weeks ago. I want to keep that conversation going with him. And also, Matt Silvernagel is going to join us a little later in the show to talk with us about lawsuit abuse in the state of Florida. Some people have referred to that as the tort tax And uh, I think these will be interesting discussions for our audience as we get into the Thanksgiving period. But I got to tell you, today's a little bit of a sad day for me. My beloved brother, Matt, and my partner here on American View is off running around out west in the great state of Nebraska with his wife, Lauren. And so unfortunately, I'm having to carry today's show entirely on my shoulders. Of course, we've got the great Matty Rowan here who's helping behind the glass with producing the show. So I do appreciate that as we get here into this Thanksgiving break. But um, but I'm ready. I'm ready to carry the show on my shoulders. As many of you know, many on our audience know already, at least those of you here in Tallahassee, I have five kids. Um, my wife has been so gracious. <laughs> uh, four of those are children or daughters. And so you can imagine that with all that chaos and conversation, sometimes my son Joshua and I just sit in the corner and sort of watch the show that's going on in the house. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have a radio show in the first place was just to get a chance to have my voice heard. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. I, you know, I love the chaos. I love the chaos of my household, and I love my daughters. Uh, Angelica, Isabella, Gabriella, and Daniela are four of our most faithful fans of America in View. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to get them here into the studio uh, to help us out with a little bit of conversation. Uh, so anyway, without doubt, as we move into the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, one of the things that we all are most thankful for is our families. Um, and even for those families that are not with us physically, I know that they always live in our thoughts, our hearts, our memories, and have been part of shaping our lives, certainly as my family has been so critical for shaping my life. And, uh, you know, at this time of year, uh, in the Thanksgiving holidays, it's good to reconnect with them. I urge you all to do that. But uh, it's important to do that because uh, this is that time of year when things begin to move more quickly. I don't know if you guys have that sense, but, you know, it seems like you hit the Thanksgiving holiday and then it's just a blur through Christmas and then you wake up in uh, January and think, oh my gosh, another Christmas has come and gone. Uh, so, you know, over the next uh, seven, eight days, we're going to have the big Thanksgiving meal. And then there's going to be the big Black Friday sale and then the football game. And then, boom, December and Christmas is upon us. So 
I think is a good idea, and I would encourage you all, uh, I've been doing this for a couple of years now, to stop for a few minutes before the Thanksgiving holiday, really as you get into uh, that weekend before Thanksgiving when all the, the family shows up and you got to run around like crazy uh, buying all the last-minute grocery supplies, uh, to think about things that you're thankful for. Make a top 10 list, and then you can work through that a little bit, get into Thanksgiving, forget about it, sort of set it aside because I can assure you that you're going to wake up in January a little depressed that everything has moved so quickly and the holidays are over. And then you just reach over and pull back that top 10 list and uh, think about why you're thankful. That's a great way to kick off the new year. So I'm, I'm going to go through a few of my uh, top 10 here as we start off Thanksgiving. And then we'll bring a couple of our guests on the phone and talk a little policy. Uh, first of all, number one, I'm thankful for God. Um, and we all should be thankful for God. Uh, we were thanking God in our first Thanksgiving in this country. And uh, to be thankful, you have to have someone to be thankful to. And uh, I think one of the things, in fact, one of the shows I'd like to have sometimes is to talk about how America would not be America. We couldn't have America if we did not have faith in our Creator. And uh, I urge you to reconnect with Him during these Thanksgiving holidays. Uh, if you want to know how to do that, you can send me a a uh, little message on the America in View Facebook page, or just shoot me a text at 850-766-9809. Trust me, I'll answer you. It may not be uh, immediate, but I will answer you. Um, secondly, for those uh, men out there who are married, I'm thankful for my wife. And if you're married, you should be thankful for your wife. They should be number two on your list. Mainly because uh, even though I don't know you, I can assure you that whoever that beautiful bride is, um, you better be thankful that somebody said yes, because most of us are losers. <laughs> so uh, be thankful for that wife. Be thankful for that significant other. Be thankful for that person who uh, loves you. Uh, number three on my list is, of course, my mother. I do rank my wife ahead of my mother, as I should, but my mother, I wouldn't be here without my mother. And on top of that, she has been absolutely um, a, a sacrificial uh, giver her entire life, making sure that we all had everything that we needed. Um, I mean, everything we needed, both spiritually and physically, and uh, has, again, lived a life of sacrifice. That is what being a mother is all about. And if we didn't have great mothers, we wouldn't have America either. Right in line with that, of course, is that you can't have mothers without fathers. And uh, just so grateful for my parents. So take time to reconnect with your parents if you can during the holidays. Um, thankful for my sisters, my brothers, uh, all my extended family, but my sister Christy, Stan, Matt, they've been uh, big influences on our lives and, and certainly are part of our career. And again, uh, as you work through uh, Thanksgiving blessings list, you need to keep your siblings high on that list. And if you're fighting with them, find a reason to make up. Uh, there's no reason why you can't do that. Uh, I'm thankful. Number five, thankful for great friends. Uh, I'm thankful for number six, great clients. I could not provide for my family without great clients, uh, people who are willing to pay the bills and help us out. And I'm thankful, number seven, to live in America, which is free. And we live in freedom. We live in relative security compared to the rest of the world. And uh, there's just so many other places. You can look at what's going on in Ukraine right now. You can look at what's going on in Israel and in Gaza. And you can understand that there are people around the world who would love nothing more than to trade places with you and live in the great 
country of America. That's why it drives me crazy when we see liberals running down this great America. If you don't love it, leave. All these crazy celebrities that say they're going to leave the next time a conservative gets elected have never left because there's nowhere else to go. This is, this is a great nation. Um, and right in line with that, I want to be thankful for our founding fathers, the one who paid the price with their lives and livelihoods for this great country. Um, they pay with their lives and livelihoods. And in the same way, our veterans did as well. And uh, last but not least, the number 10 on my top 10 list of reasons to be thankful is I'm thankful to be a Floridian. I'm thankful to live in Florida. Uh, you know, a few years ago, Matt and I did some consulting for a congressional candidate out in Texas. It was actually four years ago. And we had a tagline on his ads that was to make America Texas. Make America Texas. And uh, they even went out and copyrighted it uh, because, uh, and it was a great tagline for Texas. Texas has a great brand. And uh, that's why it kills me (laughs) that I personally never used the catchphrase, make America Florida. But after Ron DeSantis became governor, people started using that. Florida is coming into its own. Uh, Just like Texas had a brand for so many years, now Florida has a brand. And I see people putting a Florida flag on their cars now. They put it on their uh, businesses outside. I've got a Florida flag on my shirt right now. It's cool to be from Florida. And the reason why is because now, of course, we're known as the free state of Florida. It's not just about the beaches anymore. It's not just about... um, you know, coming down here and having a vacation at Disney World, but it's about the entire the entire nature of the state of Florida. And uh, and again, we can thank Governor DeSantis for really helping to create that brand. Um, he has been a strong stalwart for limited government. He's taken a stand against the woke. He took a stand against the insanity of the way they were dealing with COVID, the federal government. Took a stand against federal tyranny. And... Um, you know, has created now in these last three, four years in the state of Florida, a model for the rest of the country. And uh, now you see people all over the country, all over the world responding to that. Even Jeff Bezos announced the other day that he's moving to Florida. Uh, I'm sure he's moving down here because of our favorable income tax environment. But the reality is wealthy people are moving to Florida. And as long as they leave their politics behind in California, New York, I'm happy with that. Uh, This is a great state. But the reason why people are moving to Florida is because we're doing here what the founders intended with the federalist system, which we are creating an amazing economy. We are taking a stand against the federal government. We are anti-tax here. And today, as we move through the program, I want to highlight a few of the unsung heroes out there that are really working hard to make Florida what it is. Now, the Florida governor and the legislature have done an outstanding job of creating the environment. But as we get into segment two and we get ready to talk to Greg Folly, who is the chairman of the Marco Island City Council, you're going to see what some of these unsung heroes are doing to keep taxes low and to make Florida the amazing place that it is today. Stay tuned for the next guest, Greg Folly, in segment two. Bringing you right to the front line of liberal insanity. Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> and back again. America in View will be right back. Mm-hmm. 
counseling the woke back to freedom and rational thought. It's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. Happy pre-Thanksgiving weekend to you. we got a great show today. We're talking about, first of all, things to be thankful for. One of the things on my top 10 list that I'm thankful for is living and working and having family in the great state of Florida. Florida, we were discussing in the first segment, has an amazing brand now. It has an amazing brand as the free state of Florida. It has been, just as the founders of this nation intended, it has turned into a national leader uh, on policy because we have taken a stand against federal tyranny. We have taken a stand against what I would call woke indoctrination. And we are building an economy now in this state um, that is, by and large, the envy of the world. It is, uh, it is a limited government, uh, for the most part, and uh, because of that attitude by both our governor and our legislature, uh, we have now uh, deregulated many parts of our economy. We have lowered taxes. We've had some of the lowest taxes of all time uh, in this state. And we are continuing that march to keep uh, Florida's free enterprise system strong. Now, with that being said, having a governor is great. Having a legislature is great, uh, particularly when they're on the same page related to taxation and regulation. But we also need heroes out in the local uh, arena in both county government and city government that will be strong, that will stand with us on these uh, ideals that help us build a strong economy. One of those heroes is Greg Folly. Now, Greg, um, who we have on the line now, I just want to introduce him really quickly, is a a recent, uh, let's just call it transplant to Florida. He is, he is one of these people who's visited Florida his entire life and then decided to move here, but he has not stopped contributing. And he is a true Floridian in the, in the spirit of, of what we're trying to do with the free state of Florida. He not only has uh, come from Caterpillar as a, as a uh, executive, but then also uh, became a city councilor in Marco Island. He's now the chairman of the city council. He's running for the state legislature. Greg, welcome to the show today. Great to have you here. Thanks, Brett. Pleased to be with you. So, Greg, when I start to read your bio, if I read the entire thing on the radio today, we might run out of time. Uh, in our segment. I mean, you, it seems like you've done everything. Tell me, first of all, uh, this is a little tidbit that most people don't know about you. You started out your political career working for the Gipper, Ronald Reagan. Not many people can say that. Just tell us about that quickly. Yeah, well, I uh, had the privilege of leading his campaign at Notre Dame back in 1980, and we had uh, one of the largest and most successful campus campaign organizations in the country. And I got to introduce him when he came to visit. And then, uh, uh, as fate would have it, I graduated in three and a half years and was able to start my professional career in January of 81, which is when he took office. And I ended up working in the uh, White House the day after inauguration. So that was just uh, an amazing experience for a 21-year-old. Amen. I th- you know, Greg, when I look back at some of the pictures from like Time Magazine and Newsweek and I see uh, the cabinet that Reagan had around him and I see the cabinet that George H.W. Bush had around him, it feels like that was when the adults were still running the country. Um, was that your sense when you were working with Reagan? Oh, yeah. I mean, and he, uh, he took on a number of people who uh, didn't necessarily agree with him, but they... Uh, they understood his philosophy, and they understood that uh, he was intending that they implement it. And uh, uh, by and large, they did. He listened to everybody, and then he and then he spoke in the cabinet. 
meetings. You know, he didn't speak until everybody else had their say, and then he then he spoke. And uh, he he was humble but commanding at the same time. And uh, his like only comes around every few generations. He's he was an amazing leader. So then you moved. Uh, you went through law school. Um, you uh, practiced labor law for a while, and then ultimately ended up going to work for Caterpillar, which is one of the iconic brands in the United States. Uh, tell me about that experience and what it was like running operations worldwide. Yeah, it was uh, it was wonderful. I, I came in in the labor and HR side, and uh, had some famous uh, disputes in the nineties with the UAW. And was one of the uh, was the first major company to actually take on UAW and win. And uh, when I say win, enabled uh, job growth from a U.S. manufacturing base uh, by having competitive wage package. Um, and then uh, after you know some successes in the HR side, uh, I was given the opportunity to lead operations. Um, and uh, I I just found my love and my passion. I loved leading operations and leading uh, you know. Uh, people in manufacturing organization, and we, uh, uh, I had several of those opportunities. The last one was leading 10,000 people in a $10 billion P&L organization with 18, uh, or about 70 facilities in 18 states and 18 different countries. So I got to visit a lot of factories and uh, meet with a lot of people and kind of uh, talk philosophy and vision for the business and the company and drive results. And that uh, was extremely exciting to me. I just loved it. I can tell by your passion and your voice, Greg, and I think the audience can as well. But listen, there's what you've done in business has been incredible. Uh, I think one of the things I admire most about you is that you have charted and blazed a path down in Marco Island as the uh, as a city councilor, first of all, uh, serving as an example for the rest of the state. Now in Florida, and Greg, I'm going to let you describe this a little bit, but in Florida, you have an opportunity every year to either raise millage rates on property taxes and or to leave them the same, in my opinion, leaving them the same as a net tax increase. In Marco Island, you guys have made the responsible decision to lower those millage rates and uh, have effectively cut taxes across the border, at least held them the same. Talk to me about your philosophy, your vision, and I'm interested to find out how other cities around you have reacted to your action. You know, um, uh, we have, since I took office four years ago, cut uh, property tax rates, about the millage rates, about 27%. Uh, as property values have soared, we have uh, cut the rates accordingly to keep the tax bills flat for our homeowners and business owners. And uh, we really think that's important because we want to keep government on a diet. Um, this is what conservative government, I think, means in practice. There are always lots of things, good things you can spend money on. Plus, not to mention a lot of bad things you can spend money on. Um, and we don't want to do too much uh, of the even the former um, because we want to make sure that uh, we're prioritizing and making tough choices and not just uh, spending willy-nilly the taxpayers' money because it's ultimately theirs. Amen. Hang on, Greg. That's a gr- I want to pick back up on that after the break. We're going to move into break real quick. And uh, you guys stay with us with Marco Island City Councilman Greg Folly, tax cutter extraordinaire. I ain't nothing but a simple man They call me a redneck, a reckon that I am But this thing's going on Where universal truth and common sense reign supreme It's Matt and Brent Doster with America in View 
All right, we're back. We're talking to uh, Marco Island City Councilman Greg Folly today. Greg is one of those unsung heroes who's been out there waging war at the city level to make sure that taxes are kept low. So, Greg, you said two things at the end of the segment number two that I want to seize on. You said, number one, that you were willing to put government on a diet, and number two, that you had to prioritize your spending. Why do you think other cities are not being as committed as you are to this plan? Well, I uh, uh, I think that it's hard to be a fiscal conservative. It's easy to spend spend money because there are lots of demands that people want to see met, and uh, some a lot of those things are good things to spend money on. But it's really hard to actually put your conservative principles to work and say we're going to manage responsibly and not do everything that might be fun and nice to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, fortunately, the trend, even in Florida, is much the other direction in municipalities and county government. So, Greg, um, listen, in contrast to Leon County and, and the city of Tallahassee, which, you know, are by and large almost, almost communist governments, I, I, I don't have to be nice to them. The management here at the station has to be nice to them because they live and work here in Tallahassee. But um, these guys are ridiculous compared to the rest of the state. Uh, it, it is amazing to me that anyone would be thinking that in this current era where Florida's property values are growing so quickly that they would need to actually increase millage rates. But let's explain this for our audience really quickly. If you hold millage rates the same and property values go up, you are still collecting at the city more revenue from your taxpayers, correct? That's correct. And, um, and so the only, way, the only way to hold that flat is if you reduce the millage rate. If, if values are going up. That's correct. And so um, if you, when you have an explosion, last year our property values went up 18% in, in Marco Island. And we basically uh, uh, took a, a significant drop then, uh, well north of 10% in our millage rates to hold the tax bills flat. And uh, again, that's something we've now done seven years in a row. Uh, for since I've been on council. And, uh, uh, you know, there are people in departments in the city who are saying, hey, we need more. We want more. We make sure we cover the police, the fire. We make sure we're taking care of our roads. Um, and, uh, you know, we we have to do other things incrementally instead of all at once. Uh, but that, that's the hard, hard work of making choices in government. Greg, um, we are definitely going to have you back on the show again. Uh, you have uh, made me happy because you have explained the obvious. You are a hero. You're one of our unsung heroes of the Thanksgiving holiday for trying to keep people's taxes low. I want to thank you for joining the show today. You're running for uh, the state legislature. We hope we get you here. I'm going to make sure you get here. Give us your URL real quick, your website address, so people can go and find out more about you. Yeah, it's uh, gregfonley.com. And uh, you can go out there and uh, learn about the campaign and uh, uh, see what we stand for. And uh, if you're so moved, you can help. So uh, all those things are, uh, are great. And I appreciate uh, uh, everyone's uh, attention and potential support. Thank you. Greg, thanks for joining the show today. Have a great Thanksgiving if I don't talk to you again. You too, Brett. All right, that was Greg Folly. Um, now I want to move to another unsung hero in the wage, the waging of war against taxes in the state of Florida. 
Matt Silbernagel, who actually was a state house candidate um, a couple cycles ago and uh, performed very well, did very well. I've known Matt for a number of years. Matt was actually a uh, volunteer intern way back uh, whenever we were running the Bush campaigns, and he has been a uh, sort of an ally and a uh, protege of Congressman Dan Webster. He's a true uh, cultural and fiscal conservative and Matt has uh, been volunteering as a voice for Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse. Matt, are you on the line with us, my friend? I'm with you. Matt, thank you so much for joining today. Catch us up really quickly. Now, Matt, you are an eminent domain attorney. Is that my understanding, correct? Yep, I do eminent domain, and we also I also uh, dabble quite a bit in what's referred to as complex commercial litigation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which most people don't understand until they get into a contract and they need help. <laughs> there you go. And I'll tell you this: that uh, if they ever made a movie about the type of law that I practice, I would not go watch that movie. So it's not very exciting, but uh, it, uh, it it impacts your life in more ways than you think. <laughs> I I get it, my friend. Listen, uh, the thing is, everybody hates attorneys until they need one, and I'm glad that people like you are out. Um, leading the fight. We need good conservatives like you as attorneys, because there's certainly a lot of uh, liberal ones out there who are pushing the other way. Uh, Matt, look, so we are talking about taxes today. We're talking about the fact that we're thankful that we all live in the free state of Florida, where we have a governor and a legislature that has been waging war on fixed costs that people should not have to bear, one of those being taxes. Greg Folly, one of the unsung heroes who just was on the show, is a Marco Island city councilor who uh, has repeatedly pushed down, helped lead the effort to push down uh, the millage rate for property taxes down in Marco Island, something that should be the model for the rest of the state. But the governor and the legislature in the last legislative session just passed a major lawsuit reform bill that addresses something referred to as the tort tax. And I'm just curious, you as an attorney, uh, number one, did they did the right? Did they do the right thing? And and what are some of those hidden costs out there related to litigation that perhaps people aren't aware of? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And I'll, I'll right off the top, I will caution any of your listeners if they're driving, they might want to pull over. This is uh, talking about tort reforms, pretty exciting stuff, and I don't want any listeners to get too riled up. <laughs> but <laughs> but in all honesty, this is absolutely one of those things that maybe people don't pay attention to until all of a sudden we're in a crisis. And they're looking around saying, how do we get here? And so that's what we're facing in Florida. And you're absolutely right. Uh, Last legislative session, the Florida legislature and the governor passed what's known as HB 837, addressing a lot of this tort abuse. And a lot of people don't realize this, but depending on the reports you read, it's estimated that every Floridian, that's not every Florida household, that every Floridian pays about $250 a year due to excessive lawsuit abuse. How that calculate that is that when, you know, these insurance companies that we all have to deal with or these suppliers or these stores or whatever, every time they have to deal with these frivolous lawsuits, they don't take those costs and absorb them and eat them. They are forced to pass that on in the cost of insurance policies, consumer goods, services. And so, you know, that means that a family of four is paying $1,000 a year for people abusing this system. And we've had a real problem with it here in the state of Florida. So, Matt, for the audience who sometimes has difficulty, I think, parsing through some of these descriptions and some of these adjectives, what would you define as a frivolous lawsuit? Sure. So, 
So I'll give you a, I'll give you a perfect example. I'll try and keep it short. You know, a, a, a close family member of mine owns a auto body uh, and repair shop, and uh, unfortunately, not too long ago, they had an individual who came in uninvited, uh, was under some form of intoxication, uh, wandered uninvitedly back into the shop, and uh, managed to hit their head on a uh, a lift, a car lift. Well, obviously, my, my close family uh, family member did everything you're supposed to do, called the cops or called the paramedics. They're taken away. Well, lo and behold, this guy ends up suing uh, my family member. And rather than decide whether or not uh, to fight this lawsuit or anything like that, uh, my family member's insurance company just said, you know, we're just going to pay this guy half of what they asked for. I forget the exact number. I believe it was somewhere in the ballpark of $100,000. This guy got a check for $50,000 out the gate because it's too expensive to fight under the previous litigate, uh, under the previous regulatory scheme. And so now all of a sudden my family members, uh, you know, insurance premium goes up and he has to pass that cost on to his client. So that would be a real life example of a frivolous lawsuit. And HB 837 took some steps to address some of the ways that enabled those frivolous lawsuits to work. Now let's talk about lawyer fees, Matt. Um, yeah. And, and you certainly are an attorney and uh, everyone who works has a right to be paid at whatever rate they want to charge. But my understanding is, is that with a lot of these frivolous lawsuit cases, once the insurance company makes the move to settle, there is a second sort of uh, payment that has to be made because then the attorneys for the plaintiff, in this case being the guy that actually walked in and bumped his head, they get their legal fees paid. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Under the old scheme, what would happen is, and we'll use this real life example, they, uh, the, the, this gentleman, if you want to refer to him as that, who sued my family member, uh, their attorneys basically make a settlement offer, uh, usually at policy limits, and say, you've got five days to respond. If the insurance company doesn't respond within five days, and some point down the road there's a settlement uh, for anything, even a dollar more than what was initially offered, then under the old scheme, the attorney fees had to be paid, usually on an hourly basis, sometimes even with what's known as a Lone Star, which is a hourly basis plus a multiplier because this was a quote-unquote difficult case or the individual who sued uh, couldn't otherwise retain counsel unless there was this option to get even more than the hourly fee. So HB 837 addressed a lot of that and limited the times that that was applicable. Well, that is so look, uh, let's just sort of multiply this out since you mentioned the word multiplier. Um, said plaintiff gets drunk, wanders in, basically trespasses, bumps his head. He sues. The insurance company settles, right, to mitigate risk. Then the lawyers get a big fee on top of that from the insurance company. You know, mm-hmm. however much that is, let's just say for rounding purposes, it's another $50,000. So through no fault of the insured's own, now your insurance company is forking out $100,000 and the people that all get stuck with the bill are all the policyholders in that insurance company, correct? That's correct. And the consumers. You know, now my, my, my family member, you know, is, as much as I love him, you know, he is in a business to make money. Uh, he's got to, in some cases, up his rates. He's got to absorb that cost. So it not only gets passed on to the individual policyholder and the other policyholders of that particular insurance company, it gets passed on to you and I as consumers and and, uh, users of the various services. So um, let's talk about what actually passed with the uh, legislature. My understanding is the reason that they felt, Matt, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I I saw this statistic the other day and it was staggering to me, but for the sake of all of our listeners, they said that in the state of Florida, 
that uh, we we basically represent about ten percent of the national uh, insurance market, meaning that ten percent of all the policy owners in the in the United States are in Florida, but that we account for seventy percent, or did account before this lawsuit reform bill happened. We accounted for seventy percent of the litigation nationally. Is that correct? Yeah, that's about right. Usually those numbers are referring to uh, the home insurance litigation, which is a whole other subject, and I'm happy to chat about that. But the tort lawsuits uh, mirror that very closely. So yeah, that's about right. That's just staggering to me. And so when people say that there's a tort tax, it's really not a it's really not a tax per se, but it is a it's an increase on our fixed rates of insurance, and that impacts everybody from the uh, I, I presume the services that are offered to the goods that are sold, that has to be built into that across the board. Um, Matt, is there anything else that you think we need to be doing, or do you think we just need to hold firm with what was already passed? Sure. So I think holding firm is going to involve some active some active measures on our part. You know, the folks who want to see, uh, see some of this common sense uh, regulation and limitation on attorney fees and different bad faith lawsuits stay in place. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar or not. I presume you are, and I presume your listeners are too. There is a large faction kind of colloquially referred to as the plaintiff's bar. Mm-hmm. Your personal injury attorneys, uh, you know, the billboard attorneys, as I like to refer to them. I'm sure we can all think of a few off the top of our head. They're very good at putting their face on things. Uh, anyhow, they are understandably very upset about this lawsuit uh, reform because it limits their ability to have these massive paychecks for very little to no actual contribution or work on their part. Hey, hey Matt, Matt, hold up one second. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and move to break, okay, because I want you to keep this going. I, I want to hold you over to the fourth segment. You guys stick with us with Matt Sobernagel. He's an expert on tort reform, lawsuit reform in generally, and is talking about the tort tax in Florida. They're 10 pounds of common sense in a five-pound bag. Matt and Brett will be right back. Listen to that thunder roar and I hear that lonesome wind moan. On the front lines fighting the insanity of the woke, it's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. All right, we're back for the fourth segment. We were just finishing up the third segment of today's show talking to Matt Silbernagel, who is um, eminent domain attorney extraordinaire. He's an expert on legal fees and the tort environment in the state of Florida. Matt, as we were finishing up last segment, you were talking about some proactive things that need to be done to hold the line on this lawsuit reform package that was just passed and to uh, stop what is effectively known as the tort tax, whereby consumers are footing the bill for frivolous lawsuits across the state. Uh, Let's finish that answer quickly, uh, because I think our listeners need to hear maybe some things that they can do to help get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So where we left off with, I was bringing you guys up to speed on what is going to be a full-on assault against some of these common-sense pieces of legislation that passed last cycle, particularly as it uh, concerns attorney fees, and bad faith lawsuits. Some of the biggest proponents of high attorney fees and bad faith lawsuits are a group of folks referred to as the plaintiff's bar. These are your billboard attorneys. I'm sure we can all think of a few. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are not too happy about what passed this last legislative cycle because it cuts into their bottom line. They're no longer able to profit as easily off of these frivolous lawsuits. And so right now they're engaged in an all-out assault on these changes by funding uh, both Democrats and Republicans, unfortunately, 
um, campaigns and saying, hey, look, you know, if you want to see some more of these campaign dollars, we need you to go ahead and start trying to work to roll back some of these changes. You know, we'd like to see uh, the statute of limitation go back up to four years rather than two years. We'd like to see uh, the Lodestar be permitted again, meaning that we can consider multipliers on top of our hourly rate. We'd like to see uh, the ability to have bad faith lawsuits after a shorter amount of time. So there's a lot of things that are going to be looking to uh, go against some of these common sense changes. And I really think we need to hold the line here in Florida if we want to see uh, that tort tax uh, remain low and our insurance problem get fixed. Man, I love it. Um, just simple one-word answer from you. Uh, I think I know what the answer is going to be, but in your opinion, every time someone files or is induced by a billboard attorney to file a frivolous lawsuit, it doesn't just hurt the insurance company, it hurts everyone else, yes or no? Yes, sir. Matt Silvernagel, you are one of the unsung heroes who has helped Florida develop this new brand as the free state of Florida. I want to thank you for your service, man. I know you weren't elected a couple of years ago, but you continue to serve in powerful ways, and we hope you get an opportunity to grab an elected office again sometime very soon. Thank you for joining us today, my friend. Thanks, Brett. Hope to talk to you soon. You got it. Take care. Guys, it's not just about a governor and a legislature. It is about every one of us being great citizens, about every one of us being um, willing to sacrifice. I was talking about mothers being self-sacrificial. We all need to be self-sacrificial. John F. Kennedy made that great statement in his inaugural address to ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And in this era, We've got too many people asking what their country can do for them or what other people can do for them. And we need to start contributing rather than taking. That is essentially what it means in many ways to be an American. That was the spirit of the founding fathers. They weren't just giving on behalf of their generation. They were giving to multiple generations. And as we get into thanksgiving, yes, we're giving thanks, but we have to give thanks and then also give of ourselves give to our churches, to our friends, to our family, uh, to our fellow uh, Floridians to continue to keep this state strong. Now, I have to make an apology as we get into the end of the show here. It's a very personal moment here. As I have been talking after the first segment where I mentioned my top 10 list, I've been getting texts from my kids saying that they did not make the top 10 list. Angelica Isabella Gabriella, Joshua, and Daniela are all right there with mommy as my number two on the top 10 list. Number one being God. You can't get any higher than number two on my list. But I wanted to tell all of my children how much I love them. And listen, I hope that everyone who has kids will spend time with them this Thanksgiving holiday or at least spend time with them on the phone. It's been a great segment. If you have any comments or any thoughts about unsung heroes in the state of Florida, who are making us a better state, branding us as the free state of Florida. I hope you'll visit our Facebook page at America in View, or you can always send me a text. Again, my number is 850-766-9809. I promise you, I will answer you. In the meantime, everyone have a great Thanksgiving break. Next segment, we're probably going to be talking a little bit about football post-Thanksgiving. Love you guys. Have a great holiday.
Thanks for listening to America in View. For more information, go to AmericaInView.com. 